the bushwhackers. Remember <laughs> those fellows? Yeah. Remember how they would come out to the crowd and they'd do that shit and then they'd walk around the ring and they'd like pick a kid in the crowd and they'd like fuck with the kid. Oh, they fucked with you. Sure did. <laughs> sure did. Sure did. Took off my Hulk Hogan bandana and licked my head like it was an ice cream. <laughs> Imagine if they did it nowadays. That would never fly. You can't do that now. It's funny that you mentioned that because last year I interviewed the last surviving bushwhacker and I brought that story up. I was like, <laughs> thank you for putting me in therapy, my good man. <laughs> it's time for the Garage Boozing Podcast. What's up, nerds? And welcome back to another episode of the Garage Boozing Podcast. I'm your host, the man with absolutely no plan. The chase with the face for radio, Chase Shurga. And boy, do I have one hell of an episode for you guys today. I am joined by the Love Panda, Love Panda 24X48, a.k.a. Matt Minnick. And we had an incredible conversation. The conversation actually was so good and so long that I had to break it up into two parts. So this is going to be your part one, um, and it's actually going to be ad-free. So uh, no commercials, no ads, just straight talk conversation, which is awesome. But yeah, the Love Panda, uh, love that guy, totally down to earth, um, wicked fun to talk to. And uh, yeah, we talk a lot about wrestling, a bunch of other stuff. You know how we do. The conversation goes all over the place, like it always does here in the garage. But without further ado, folks, you know what time it is. It's time to sit back, relax kick your feet up, crack open a cold one, and if you're really feeling fruity, take a shot. Why not? Because this week's episode of the Garage Boozing Podcast starts now. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Garage Boozing Podcast. Today, I'm joined by one very special guest. He is known as Love Panda 24 x 48 I like to call him the Love Panda. His real name is Matt Minnick. But uh, hey, do you prefer me call you Panda or do, do I call you Matt? Which do you prefer? I'm equal opportunity. I don't really care. We can go with Panda. More people know me as that. I don't give shit. I'm probably going to call you Panda. Rolls off the tongue a little bit easier. You know, like a yeah, lot of people a know a lot of mats. How many pandas do you know? Yeah. And plus with mats, you get like doormat, floor mat, all the other shit. You can't really like make a joke off the name Panda. This is like endangered species. So yeah, and they're cute and cuddly, right? And most of them, they'll rip your face off. You know, no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, <laughs> shit. What was I going to say? Oh yeah, uh, so we we actually tried to record this the first time, but my dumbass forgot to hit the record button. I so, wasn't going to well, say it. <laughs> I know I'm going to throw myself in there. I don't even care. It happens all the time. So before uh, before I actually hit the record button, when I thought we were recording, when we weren't recording, you told me that you actually know another panda. I do, uh, because you don't find too many people that go under that nickname, and I found a couple within TikTok where they're just like, "Hey, uh, my name's Panda too," but it's a different thing when it like hits you into real life. And my daughter. Uh, she has like a boyfriend or a friend that's a boy or whatever the hell you want to call boyfriend. it. Boyfriend. Yeah, I'm trying to still not be like that. With <laughs> um, but he six feet apart. And, exactly. We're COVID six all the time. We're getting you know the pool pool noodles out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so when I was meeting him, my daughter was like, "You're not going to believe this, Dad." But he ha- he doesn't go by his real name. He goes by a nickname. Okay, what's his nickname? It's Panda. Shut up. Like, this kid's going to be my new best fucking friend. I was going to say, you like him a little bit more now? <laughs> automatically. Like, you automatically earned a couple cool points just because I didn't expect something like that. Got it. Like, my, my, my mom calls me Skyler, but you can call me Ass Dragon or some shit like that. Not like, hey, I'm <laughs> Ass <Panda."> Dragon. <laughs> like, like, oh, shit. All right. There's another one of me out here. Okay. <laughs> So Ima- was- imagine meeting your your significant other and uh, your significant other's parents, and you're like, "Yeah, you can call me Ass Dragon." Imagine <laughs> that. <laughs> be like, what the fuck? I kind of wanted. I kind of wish I would have did that now. <laughs> yeah, right? Oh, you're Panda. You can call me Ass Dragon. Imagine what that kid well, would have said. All right, Nighthawk. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, um, Tomahawk nine thousand. <laughs> <laughs> so, where exactly does your screen name Love Panda Twenty Four X Forty Eight come from? So Love Panda, uh, growing up being a man that uh, deals with a condition known as Bookie Bitis or being built as Chewbacca, we're still trying to find a cure. Hashtag Bookie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. Our people are out there. Our people are out there. But uh, Great when I was, I was in strength training or weightlifting class and uh, 
we were changing in the locker room. One of the guys was like, man, you're built like a panda bear. And a few nice. weeks later, him and I were hanging out and we were under the uh, herbs conditions. Uh, we'll say in Resident Evil, we were focused on the green herb, not the red herb. Um, <laughs> nerd reference. And <laughs> Get you there. We, uh, it, it kind of, he just was like, I love you, Panda. And it kind of clicked for me. And then I started making like my gamer tags that with Xbox, but PlayStation now that I have my PS5s uh, is Love Panda 24X48. Like, it's so unique because you're not going to find a, a Microsoft recommendation for your gamer tag being Love Panda. Or anything like that. It's so just in this day and age, you never know, but it's so unique in itself where it's kind of just associated to me. Uh, The 24 and the 48, it's going to show my Caucasian-ness and it's also a tribute to my uncle. Um, My uncle introduced me like pro wrestling and got me into watching sports and playing video games and a lot of like who I am as a person. Uh, so when he created my first email for me, he put the 24 X 48 into my email to make it unique for me. So I keep that as like part of a tribute to him, but it also, because growing up, I was a big NASCAR fan and Jeff Gordon, Jimmy Johnson, 24, oh, I was a Jeff Gordon fan myself. 24 is my favorite That's number. I'm 24 and 48 is, is because of Jeff Gordon and Jimmy Johnson. And then just a little tribute to my uncle. Oh, that's badass, dude. That's cool. Mm-hmm. And that's cool that you kept it so like so much time as well. Oh, I've had it for shit. I'm 35. I've had that about 20 years now. You're 35. You look like you're 25, man. I'll get the hell out of here. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll be 36 in May. Yeah. Happy early birthday. Thank you. Um. So real quick for for my listeners here who don't know who you are, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and the content that you put out there? I am just your basic ass 35 year old dad. Uh, <laughs> who Love just it. loves talking pro wrestling. And honestly, when it comes to my style of how, what sets me apart or why people should watch me, I never tell people why they should watch me. Uh, but what makes me unique is how people love the daily show. People love like last week tonight and those type of off the top of the head type political satire type television shows. I took I ripped all those models off, but I took the politics out of it, put bullet, or I made it all pro wrestling. That's sick. That's where the whole style is. Even when you watch my content, I always have the CGI over the same corner that they have the same CGI over their corner. And I base my, everything off of John Oliver, Trevor Noah, John Stewart, but I just make it pro wrestling. It's funny you say that because I saw your bio said the John Oliver of professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. It just works sick. hand in hand for me. I love john oliver and his approach and the way that he can make you think but also make an ass of himself and he's funny as hell too yeah so it's one of those things where he does it very well on the line that he lives and he he calls out when shit needs to be called out but he's also able to do really good things so there's there's a yin and a yang to him and that's where i take the john oliver piece out is because I don't only just rip his style off. I rip a lot of the ideas that he uses and the ideas that he believes in are a lot of the same ideas that I live off of in real life between Panda and Matt. Yeah. So um, I found you on TikTok. I'm not exactly sure when. I want to say it was earlier this year. I don't know exactly how long you've been on TikTok, but I follow like a bunch of pro wrestling stuff. I've been a pro wrestling nerd for like the longest time. And I remember I was swiping through it. Well, swiping through. I was uh, scrolling. The same scrolling. Tinder, bro. <laughs> yeah, right. The same Tinder. And TikTok, you scroll up or swipe up. I don't know, whatever the fuck they call it. Scroll and um, I'm just going through my For You page. And like, dude, sometimes I get lost in the For You page. I'm like, I'm going to bed and I pull up TikTok. And next thing you know, it's three in the morning. I'm like, holy shit. It was probably one of those times. But I remember I found one of your, one of your videos. I can't tell you exactly which one it was. But I was like, dude, when I, I'm the type of guy where like, if I see some content I like, even if it's one video, I'm like, follow. Like, if you look at my TikTok, dude, I follow like 3,000 people. I'm like, you post one funny thing, dude, I'm in. But then continuously, you kept popping up on my shit. And like, uh, oh, by the way, after I followed you, you followed me back pretty short, like pretty shortly after, which I do appreciate. Much love for that. But um, how long have you actually been making content wrestling related? And like, um, what are your main platforms? Is TikTok your go-to? Yes. Uh, TikTok is my go-to now. Um, how long have I been making content on TikTok? I've been making content on TikTok since June 1st of last year. 2021. 
yeah, 2021 I started. Um, but I didn't do wrestling until September-ish. I moved into doing wrestling. Um, because I had a thought, I, within my first four days on TikTok, I had a video that went kind of viral. Oh shit. In four uh, days. And it was my fifth video I ever made. Damn. It had 80,000 views. And I was just like, well, shit, I had a thousand followers after three days. I was just like, well, I mean, I can go live now. That's kind of dope. Yeah. Uh, right. But, but now they're going to do this. What the hell do I do? Uh, and the whole video that made me go viral was a joke of my dad because my dad, uh, he looks extremely similar to Earl Sinclair from the 90 show dinosaurs. <laughs> and he wears like the red and black, like the fucking flannel shirt, the dun, 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 dun. he has that whole like walk and everything like Earl Sinclair. It's so bad. Uh, so I did a video saying that he was my dad, but I guess I did the presentation so well that people really fucking believe that the dude who played Earl Sinclair on the show was my dad. <laughs> <laughs> and I have people like messaging me on my private Instagrams and all this other shit. Like, tell your dad, thank you for influencing my childhood and all this other shit. Like, my dad wasn't ever a part of your childhood. Like, what the fuck are we talking about, y'all? <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh, God, y'all really believed in this. Oh, you're shit. crushing their dreams, man. You're crushing their dreams. I put a picture of him up in the video so they knew it wasn't the actual guy. Like, I guess I'm a hell of a car salesman. <laughs> it made no sense, but I was doing like 90s Where Are They Nows and all this other shit from like June to September. Um, and then I was like, I should start doing stuff that I really enjoy doing where I don't have to do all the research and I can just talk and be me. And what's the one thing that I know where I can just talk and be me? It's wrestling. And yeah, here we are, what, 18 months later. And holy shit, the change in the shit that I've done in 18 months. That's fucking wild, dude. Good for you. Thanks, dude. So, I mean, like, I know a lot of your content is pro wrestling uh, based, obviously. Um, do you cover like any other areas or are you just like now focusing just on wrestling? very rarely will i test the waters outside um i do do occasional like nfl content or i'll do like sports betting content but it it really like falls by the wayside viewership wise so i just when it comes to tiktok i kind of see where the niche is and i don't want to fuck the algorithm up so i just kind of keep doing my own thing with that mm -hmm. um and like if i want to do other things that's where i just go to my other media platforms Sure. TikTok's become so, and I did it to myself. It's kind of like the the beautiful dynamic of what it can be is you can build such a base in something, but you're you really become the niche of one thing. Yeah. So it's if you're really off, people are like, "What the fuck is this?" Yeah. Not everybody watches NFL. Like, not yeah. everybody has a legal betting state where they can just jump on FanDuel. Right. So I. I get that. So that's where keeping everything more focused towards the peak instead of the bottom of the mountain. Sure. Makes it so the business just keeps moving. That makes sense. So, um, well, my next question here was, uh, which one of your videos was the first to take off? But you already answered that question. So I'm going to say, my dad, um, <laughs> which one of your like wrestling videos was the first to take off? Cause eventually obviously you, you veered to wrestling, not knowing that it was going to turn into what it is now, the following that you have now, correct. Or am I wrong? I'd never thought any of this. Um, not like I'm, I'm one of those guys, like, as you've gotten to know, like talking to me and stuff like that, like I'm, I don't understand why I'm in the position that I'm in, but I'm super grateful to be in the position that I'm in. Um, because when it comes to like the wrestling videos, let's see, the one, my most popular one was probably me calling out Ryback. Love that. And then Ryback actually duetting it. And just, oh, I don't know if I saw that. So tell me about that. Well, <laughs> well, <laughs> well. Um, so somebody did a video of like, tell me five things that all, pro wrestling fans can agree on or something like that. And I just went into this rant saying, you know, like MJF is the modern age Roddy Piper and the closest thing we'll ever get to him and Bobby Keenan ever again. Uh, and then I get to Ryback and I just fucking destroy him. I call him the Alex Jones of professional wrestling. 
I call him a snake oil salesman, a cancer to the business. Like I just fucking destroy this dude. You right? ate him up and spit him out. Oh yeah. His dumbass duetted me. So then he took my face, destroying him, and took it off my platform of 19,000 followers and put it on for his 2.3 million. Oh boy. To watch them just verbal watch me verbally assassinate him. And he he thought he was ahead of me. Because it was like 11, 12 o'clock at night, my time. And he duetted it. And I started, I, I originally just was sitting back watching the people say shit in the comments. And I'm just like, because there's a lot of people that are just, it was probably 80, 20 on my side to his side, which no big deal. I don't give a shit if people agree with me or not. I might just say my piece and move with it. And uh, he he decided to say in the comments, he's like, well, I bet you wouldn't want to come on my podcast and say any of those things. Would you? It's like, actually, and give me the day and the time and I'll be in there. fact, I would love to, I would love the opportunity to talk to you, sir. I have a lot of things I'd like to get off my plate. Uh, so he's like, well, why don't you just email these people to these people and we'll get everything set up. Like you and I are right here right now. We are two grown ass men. Let's figure out a date right now. I'm right here. I don't want to go to your people. You're a grown man. You're right here. You want to tell me, let's say Friday at four o'clock at the flagpole. Guess who's going to be there? Friday. <laughs> I was going to say at the flagpole. flagpole. That's so funny. Like my ass will be standing right there choosing what flag we're going to hang up for that fucking discussion. He blocked me. What a pussy. And then went on his show two days later and talked shit about me on his show. Unreal. Yeah. I'm just like, you little bitch. <laughs> and it's sad because I won't say their names. I have friends that work within the business and I had some of them that reached out to me. And I, like I said, I can't say names, but they're like, you know, we can't come out and say anything, but Jesus Christ was that fun. Holy <laughs> shit. That was some of your finer. Work. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> I think the thing that people enjoy about my work is so many people are not willing to not necessarily die on the cross that they believe in, but they'll change their opinion so much that you can't believe the ground they have it. Yeah. Where I've built a lot of those stances, like the Ryback stance. I, I didn't do anything different than what so many other people would say. I just happened to be the one that got his attention. <laughs> right. Yeah. And in that moment, when I have his attention, am I going to back off like a little bitch? Or am I going to stand up for every single person that he's upset along the way? And all the people's feelings that he's hurt and all the people that he has taken money from through his his Alex Jones snake oil salesman bullshit of all his little bullshit that he sells on his website to keep his podcast going, which sounds very InfoWars-ish. Like, it makes no sense. Right. And then he wonders why he can't get booked anywhere and complains and says all this shit. Like, it's so counterintuitive. He's an asshole, man. Well, yeah, but not even just him. I'm just using him as an example. Everything is so counterintuitive where nobody has the balls to say the things that need to be said. Because they'll have the balls to say it. And then the second somebody points a finger at him, they're like, well, uh, all right, I'm sorry. No, fuck that. Fuck that. Fuck that. You're like, fuck it. I'll come on the show right now. Yeah, that's what like you and I were doing earlier. You're like, hey, man, I'd love to have you on. Fuck it. Let's do it tonight. Oh, it was so fast, too. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, guys, so like I literally like we organized this podcast. I had my guests from tonight drop out like last minute. And I DM'd Panda and I was like, hey, would you be on the podcast eventually? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, hey, any uh, any shot you could like do tonight? I know it's like in three hours, but. Is that cool? And he's like, yeah, man, like, love it. Thank you so much for that. Don't even sweat it. You got me in such an open time. Where Perfect. I love it. it like once I fit, wrapped up with you, I'm going to bed. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, me too, man. I'll be right there with you. Um, yeah, right. Dude, that's, that's badass though. Good for you. Thanks. So, um, oh yeah. So uh, before we actually went on the air, you were telling me a little bit and I was like, let's save it for the podcast. So now you, you're at the point where you have a board of directors and uh, you said you have a team and like you have, you have a bunch of show stuff like that. Tell me about that. 
the Panda Wrestling Company. Uh, I, you know, bef- I'm sorry, I cut you off. But huh. when when I was when I was sending you the the Zoom invite to your email, and I saw Panda Wrestling Company at gmail.com. Wait, can I say that? Is that okay? Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was like Panda Wrestling Company. I was yeah. like, shit, man, that's pretty cool. Uh, so that launched in August, and it. I wanted to do something because when it comes to like Twitch shows, especially in my niche, when it comes to pro wrestling and it's going to sound like I'm being disrespectful to those people. It's no ill will or no shot taken or anything like that. It's all out of goodwill. When I go on to a Twitch show and I watch a, a Twitch channel, it's always that one person. And there's, there's never any variety to it. I have to leave the channel to go find something different where I used to work in radio and stuff like that growing up and knowing that having three hour blocks for live air and, you know, doing a hybrid between radio and podcasting and television and doing it within Twitch and the other media platforms that we use. Hell, we have eight to 10 shows running right now. I have get, I have three more that are starting in January. Um, I'll give you, I'll break the fourth wall here in a minute and I'll give you some <laughs> news that nobody else knows besides for like five, four. Sure. Um, but yeah, we have within four months, we have interviewed Kevin Rudolph. We've had Sam Stackhouse from GCW. We've had Stevie Ray from Harlem Heat. Uh, Kevin Rudolph's actually coming back with us on this Friday. Uh, awesome. We just, we just interviewed Chris Van Vliet the other day. Um, like, We've done a lot of crazy, stupid shit that we should not be able to do. In such a short period of time. Very short period of time because we give people a variety. Every single night is a different show. So like with Monday, it's Russell. With Tuesday, we have uh, uh, Wrestling with Toxicity. Right now, we, we have a show going as you and I are talking. We have a show that's live like you and I are talking about off air. Like We have something for everybody and people from all across the country and people in Canada for us right now. Uh, we have people that host shows from Texas and Georgia and Canada, like I was saying, and California and the East coast and literally riddled all over the place. Uh, we have a board of directors, which sounds very hubris or smug of me. And it wasn't to be smug. I created a board. Because I wanted the people that were the most invested with me to have that feeling that they're invested too in this as much as I am. It's my name on the marquee, but if it's not for us, we don't have a marquee. Yeah. It's just my name was the one that got the most recognition quick. That's the name we're running. Um, so we we busted our ass for four months. Just this week, I've sent over 200 emails to different pro wrestlers and journalists and all this other stuff across the country. And I can show you the proof of it to show you I'm not bullshit when I say over 200. I believe you, man. Um, And talking to different wrestlers and talents and dealing with their agents and their booking teams. And there's so much shit behind the scenes that people don't even think of. Um, Because even within StreamYard itself, you and I having this conversation, you're also producing the show. Yeah, I have producers. So they send out the links just like you did with me. And then as because I wanted the people when they go live and they're hosting their shows, I want them to focus on being them. And there's also those people within the Internet and within the world where they want to believe and they want to be a part of something, but they don't want to visually be a part of something. But they want to be a part of the grassroots. I have places for that. And that's where I have producers and I have people within doing some marketing and stuff like that. People that are doing some of the emailing to some of the talents for me. And so you've, you've built a team, man. I've built a community. A community. I like that. There's there's over 20 of us that bust our ass every day. They within the different shows, within the different programming, within the producing the other new shows that are coming still, uh, we we are working on a show with Silverback Nate Slater, who is an independent wrestler out of South Texas. Him and Brian Malonis, who's going to be a Ring of Honor Hall of Famer. 
they're going to both be coming to the network with their show coming in January. Uh, that see, like you thought that was the news I was going to be kicked out. Oh, there's more. Oh, that's yeah. That was just. Oh, but wait, there's more. What if I told you I have a show coming to the network that was starring Mr. Kennedy? Dead ass. That's dude. I've always loved that man, Mister. Yeah. Kennedy! He's going to be bringing his own Kennedy. show to the network. <laughs> That's fucking sick, dude. Yeah. Wow, kudos uh, to you, man. It's been a lot of work behind the scenes. And they, if you would have told me a year and a half ago when I looked through the phone book that I have and see some of the names in the black book that are there, <laughs> I was going to laugh. <laughs> <on>. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> hey. Get the fuck out of here. You know that person? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can talk to him right now. <laughs> Holy shit, man. That's fucking sick. It's a wild, it's been a wild 18 months because I, I hate doing interviews. And it's not because I hate doing interviews. I hate it because it makes people come across hubris in a way because yeah. they're talking about themselves. And I don't like talking about myself in a way like that. Uh, that's almost the point of an interview. It is. But tell me another tiktoker or a person in our market who was talked about on the pat mcafee show i was gonna bring that up i did <laughs> you beat me to it so i did another question i had here um we'll skip down a couple lines we'll go back to the ones i, I had before here so you were mentioned on the pat mcafee show tell me about that i pissed them off uh, <laughs> <laughs> um so i was home from work one day and I, I watched Pat's show religiously through COVID and all of that stuff. And I was always a big fan of Pat in the league and when he played at West Virginia. So I was, I was sitting here, I was like cleaning my house. And I heard him at the end of his show, I was like, hey, we're looking for interns. So if you guys know anybody that you think would be a good one, let us know. I, I was just like, I know somebody. I'm a good <laughs> somebody that could do that position. I could do that position pretty goddamn well. I was a radio intern. I, I, I worked within, you know, doing all of that stuff and learning boards and working with celebrities then and interviewing them and all that other shit. So like, it, I'm your guy. So I went to TikTok and I was just like, hey, everybody, I'm Dr. Nick from The Simpsons. Hi, everybody. Um, help me get this. And boy, howdy, did my people go after that um, <laughs> to the point where Tone Diggs from Pat McAfee's show had to tweet at me basically telling me to cut the shit because <laughs> the people weren't stopping and I had to call the dogs off for them. And they, they talked about me in March of this year on their show uh, because Pat appreciating my dedication and my heart and how driven I am to do something different and be great in my own way. But boy, howdy is tone digs, not a fan of me. <laughs> Uh, it was a, that was a moment I'll never forget in my life because of the amount of respect I have for Pat and not even for a, being a player or working within WWE, but because he does things like what you and I do, Yeah. but on such a catastrophic level that we have to look at him as somebody to look up to, Oh my! whether God. we like him or not. And his style, whether he uses vitamins like I do or not it works in a way where he just has such a genuine charisma and relatability that it's like organic dude. It's organic. Yeah. You're in the room with them guys. You're, you almost feel like you're passing around the vitamins. Yeah. Uh, but to, to know that Pat McAfee knows who I am. Holy shit. <laughs> That's <laughs> so fucking sick, dude. <laughs> so fucking sick. Dude, I've had a blessed you. life. Pat McAfee, that's sick, dude. I love that guy's energy. Like, for example, when like Shinsei Nakamura would come out and he'd be like on the table and he's like going like this, dude. Like I have pictures of that. Oh, so you've been there live and seen it. Yeah. Um, so I was at SmackDown in August and I was sitting on the camera side and I was just close enough where I could get in frame Shinsuke doing the, uh, the, oh, uh, the Yao layback yep. as pats and they're going like this so i got like a great shot of the both of them on my instagram of it. i was like that's my shot of the year <laughs> dude that's and so I sent it to him too. i sent that straight to fucking pat <laughs> that's so fucking cool so um 
you've obviously been a wrestling fan for a while, right? How long have you been a wrestling fan? As long as I can remember. So what what got you into pro wrestling? Do you like have a certain memory that you remember that like got you into wrestling? For example, mine's probably a very cliche answer. I remember I was very I was born in 93. So like I was a young little toddler, but I remember vividly like it was yesterday. Maybe I don't remember, but I think I remember in my brain. Uh, my dad used to get the pay-per-views every Sunday and stuff. He actually used to have this little thing. It was like a little black box. So like you could cheat the cable system and like get the pay-per-views and stuff for free. I know. Yeah. Talking right. About, yeah. Sorry, dad, not to incriminate you, but um, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it was one of those things where it was like set up on a table. If you bumped into it, it'd fuck everything up and he'd be like, oh, he bumped into it. But yeah, it's so like, like the wood TVs and everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The wood TV frame with the little the little square thing in it. Yep. But um, I, every Sunday he'd get these pay-per-views. And I remember as a kid, or I, I think I remember, I remember seeing Mick Foley throwing off the hell in, a, hell in a cell. I swear to God to this day that that's the moment that got me. I was like, what the hell was that? Like really interested in it. And then I became a wrestling fan. Um, if that's exact or not. I'm not sure, but I like to think that my four or five year old brain remember, remembers it like that. I get that. There was a match and then there's a moment for me. Uh, so when Tell I was little, the, one of the first matches I ever remember was flying Brian Pillman against Jushin Thunder Liger in WCW and seeing Jushin Thunder Liger just enamored me. And to see what he was able to do in the ring and how different he was. And not just because he had a mask with horns and everything on it, because that was a whole story within itself. Dude, the whole getup was badass. Yeah, but between the Liger bombs and the way he was such a dynamic cruiserweight, I was sold. Jushin Thunder Liger, like, I have two of his autographs in my house. Like, that dude is an icon to me. Uh, and the other one is a funny story, because I was, I was about five or six. It was about 91, 92. Uh, I was at my first WWF live event and I was front row, my parents, me and my uncle, and I was on my uncle's shoulders. And the only things I remember from the entire event is Ricky, the dragon steamboat coming out with the whole flame gimmick yep. and blowing the flames and everything. I remember him. I remember seeing warlord and barbarian. And then I remember this goddamn tragic story that I have to tell you now. So, oh, here we go. The Bushwhackers. Remember <laughs> those fellows? Yeah. Remember how they would come out to the crowd and they would do that shit. And then they'd walk around the ring and they like pick a kid in the crowd and they like fuck with the kid. Oh, they fucked with you. Sure did. <laughs> sure did. Sure did. Took off my Hulk Hogan bandana and licked my head like it was an ice cream. <laughs> Imagine if they did it nowadays. That would never fly. You can't do that now. It's funny that you mentioned that because last year I interviewed the last surviving Bushwhacker and I brought that story up. I was like, <laughs> thank you for putting me in therapy, my good man. <laughs> this grown man licked my forehead. And then I got to tell it to his face all those years later, like, you sick son of a bitch. <laughs> but those Imagine moments... that now, though, in like mainstream TV, you see like this grown man wrestler going up to a child and like, licking his forehead. People I mean, are like, what the hell? MJF basically did that at full gear. Oh, yeah, the, the booby thing, right? <laughs> what a savage. He's, he's the greatest man on the planet. I oh love my that God, guy. Such a sure. salt of the earth. Such a salt of the earth. But that's cool, man. It's cool that you remember that moment of your forehead being licked for the rest of your life. I mean, how do you forget that, right? <laughs> you can never forget that moment. That's fucking Just growing up and seeing people like uh, Ultimate Warrior as a kid. Staying great Muda. Yeah. Right? With the, the mist and everything that he was doing. People like Hakushi, Bret Hart, Yokozuna. Like Yokozuna doesn't get enough credit for all that he was. He's always like the forgotten Anawai family member or the forgotten Samoan dynasty member. That dude was the world heavyweight champion. That dude sat and killed Polkamania. I watched it. <laughs> I watched it. I watched Mr. Fuji. Throw the salt or the little fire paper. And then I watched Yokozuna sit his big fat ass on Hulk Hogan. <laughs> and it was a one, two, three. <laughs> like, those moments developed a lot within me being a wrestling fan all the way to like CM Punk. Yeah. And then Punk took my fandom to a whole other level. Cause like when we had, we were growing up during the attitude era and stuff like that, you know, there was always team rock team Austin. I was always, Team both. 
I liked them both. Brock always made me laugh. Yeah. But Austin was always like that crazy uncle that you want to have protecting you just in case shit got wild. Crazy alcoholic uncle. Oh yeah. Where like punk was the person where in pro wrestling, he spoke to me and not in like this Charles Manson kind of way, but like you can feel somebody that speaks to you off the screen to presence where it's just, I feel like Sam punk was that for a lot of people too. Yeah. And it, it really adapted to me and it like caught to me. It was just like, well, shit, he's, he's not following Vince's model. He's, he's being Phil Brooks right now. What is going on? And not even just that, but seeing how the sports world took into that and, you know, ESPN trying to reach out and interview him and Jim Rowe trying to interview CM Punk and all this other shit because he took, he had the balls to say what he had to say at the time, whether it was scripted or not scripted, we'll never know, but he said it. So now, now that we brought up CM Punk, I might as well ask, um, a couple months ago, there was a big, uh, backstage altercation in all elite wrestling, which is like the, uh, second biggest wrestling promotion in the United States of America. And um, basically there was a couple guys who got in a backstage fight with CM Punk. Long story short, there's a lot of stories here and there. How do you feel about that Panda? How do you, what, what are your thoughts on the whole uh, CM Punk? Obviously he's like, it seems like he's blacklisted from AEW. Originally I heard they were going to buy out his contract. Now I hear they're not going to buy it out. They're just going to make him sit. They let him write it. I haven't talked about it publicly. I've talked about it privately. Um, it's a very mixed bag when it comes to CM Punk's time in AEW. Dude, I've been a CM Punk fan forever, but like, yeah, I'll say my personal thoughts. I, from what I've read, obviously we all read the dirt sheet stuff like that. No one ever knows what's true, but I'm a big Young Bucks elite fan, Kenny Omega. I've been a big fan of them for a long time, and like, I personally can't see the Young Bucks being the ones that were the the bad guys here. But I could be wrong. So then again, I want to know your thoughts. Okay, so this is where. None of us will ever really 100% have all the answers to the question, right. but let me ask you some questions. Back. Sure. Ask me some questions. I like that. So let me put you into a mind frame of possibly how Phil Brooks would have gotten to. So if you had somebody, so who's somebody that's like a, okay, here we go. So let's say Triple H reaches out to you reaches and out says, to yeah. And let's says, you know, Hey, Chase, you know, I, I would love to try and give you some advice to try and help you. You know, you're a really good podcaster, but I think if you just did a couple extra things, we could get you from here to here. Would you look at him and say, nah, I don't need, I'm good where I'm at. I don't need the training from you. Thanks, but no thanks. Uh, if it's Triple H, I'm going to be like, I don't know if you've ever podcasted before, but tell me your thoughts. Okay. But you see where I'm saying with it. Like if it's somebody on such a, a tier that everybody has like universal respect for, Sure. You're not going to tell them to go fuck themselves. Basically. Oh, of course. Right. Now, okay, I get what you're saying. Hangman Adam Page. Oh, okay. Now I see where you're going with this. Terry Funk. If Terry Funk reaches out to you and says, hey, I want to try and work with you a little bit, kid. Teach you a couple little things that I've learned in my, what, five decades, six decades in the business. And you look at him and you're like, yeah, I'm good. I would be sitting there as a representative of the company, as a world champion of the company, and somebody who's considered like the money guy of the company, and I'd be pissed off. So to put apples to oranges here, that's almost like if Joe Rogan said to me, hey, Chase, I want to give you some like pointers on a podcast. You should do this, this, and this. And I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm all right. Right? I'm good where I'm at. Yeah, that's essentially what you're saying. Yeah, like it's so left field that it doesn't make sense. Hey, why would you not want to learn those things? So partly I already understand where Phil's at a little bit as far as his feelings towards the Bucks and Omega. A lot of the things are very, when it comes to the business, it's only about a select circle. And it's, it's almost based kind of like how the planets of the, of our galaxy have different kind of rotations around the sun. AEW is built that same way where the closer you are to the sun, like the bucks in Omega, the more control you have compared to the, the buck just stops at triple H and that's that triple H and Stephanie, they control the shit. You don't have a voice if you're gone where that's That's a great comparison, by the way. Yeah. And he's he was never used to that. That's already strike two, three. You have people that sit there and say, CM Punk was an asshole. 
you have people that sit there and say, you know, oh, he was a cancer in the locker room to work with. He was all these other things. Then you have people like FTR. The correct me if I'm wrong. Top two greatest tag team on the planet breathing right now. Oh yeah, easily. Easily make them number one, number two, depending on who you are. And they're sitting there saying, "Man, we are." Young Bucks are number one for me. I'm sorry, they are. Well, Usos, you know, Young Bucks, FTR, uh, Usos, Young Bucks. In, yeah, okay. Yeah, you know, they're always going to be in your three, your top three. And when you have people like FTR saying, "You know, we are ready to kick his ass the second he steps out of pocket," and then come to find out he has an open door policy. He, if you have problems, you're more welcome to come in. People are asking him to watch their matches. He's always staying till the end of the show, trying to help out. Da da da. That's what you want. Like, do you hear where like the Young Bucks and Kenny are staying at the end of the show? No. And maybe some of them are executive producing. Sure. Not all three of them. Right. And I'm not saying CM Punk was a producer because we all know he wasn't, but he was at least trying to step up. Kind of like what Jericho has been. Moxley in his own way being a leader. Punk wanted to be his own leader. But the problem was, is there was so much recoil from people that had their own harsh feelings against him because it's, oh, CM Punk. Oh, no. He's a brash guy. It's like the stigma around him. Yeah. People judged him based off stigma. People judged him because he he stood up for Terry Funk. Why the fuck should anybody have to stand up for Terry Funk? (laughs) Right. Especially over Hangman Adam Page. And it's no like that automatically gave me a huge issue with that hangman, but nobody talks about it. Yeah, hangman definitely was an asshole in that aspect for sure. Yeah, but nobody but talks I'm still about a hangman it. fan. I can I respect hangman, like, especially for his journey and being a school teacher and then following his dreams. I was gonna say that I can respect that, I can fuck with that. But you went from being a school teacher to a pro wrestler. Terry Funk has always fucking been arrested. His, Nothing like, else. He, he, yeah, that's it. He is Randy the Ram and the wrestler. That is his whole goddamn life right there. Minus the dying in the ring. Part. Terry Funk has done it all. And you're going to tell me that you don't want to get better from hearing anything from Terry Funk. Are you kidding me? Like, yeah, it's a it's, little it's, sho- it's like shocking that um, Hangman acted that way because like, I feel like even though now wrestling is a lot different now than it was back in the seventies, eighties, nineties, of course, sure. like uh, way different, but like, I mean, back then, everyone's like, for example, that video of David Schultz, for example, when like the reporters mm-hmm. like asking about it, yeah, slaps the shit out of him. Like, oh, yeah, wrestling's fake. He's like, oh, yeah, how's this? It breaks his ear. Good times. Good like, times. dude, that shit's awesome to me as a wrestling fan, because like, why break kayfabe back then? But like now it's like everyone knows it's fake, you know, but at the same time, like we all love it. And like you would think someone like Hangman. Still new to the business would want to eat up some of that like veteran like what am i trying to advice you could say mm-hmm. veteran advice and the fact that he was just like now nah, like is that the exact true story i don't know i'm not like i don't know if you know for sure but that's pretty much the majority like what's been leaked and if it's a, as true as it sounds asshole like bro like you're no better than anybody else you know especially yeah. terry funk terry funk of all people of all people and here's the other thing like even with everything that's come out about the scuffle, the brawl, you know, everything with Larry the dog and all of that bullshit, has anybody from AEW side come out and said, you know, CM Punk was completely wrong here, here, and here in what he said? No. Not one. But and I don't think we haven't heard that from both stories, uh, like both sides, though. They're making jokes about punk now. Though. I was just gonna say, yeah, like when when you see the Bucks doing the the Buckshot Lariat and they're falling and they're like, huh, huh. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, they're definitely making fun of it now. And like, even I don't know if you watch BTE. I watch BTE every week. I used to watch a lot of BTE. So uh, for those of you who don't know, BTE is the uh, weekly show uh, for all elite wrestling. Oh uh, well, uh, the elite, which being is the about, elite. Yeah, being the elite. Anyway. Um, so they they were doing a whole bunch of editing and stuff like when they first came back and re uh, like they reintroduced uh being the elite after like two months and uh there's like music and stuff playing and then they stopped the background music to hear the crowd chant going fuck CM Punk fuck CM Punk and they keep that in. and I'm like ah is it, I, I get it is but it was necessary? it necessary no you say was it necessary 
No. Yeah, we said the same thing. That's funny. Here, that's where my issue becomes my problem with. It's petty in a way. It's petty. I love Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega, one of the top five pro wrestlers on the planet. I love when he super kicked that six-year-old girl right in the face. Absolutely. She deserved it. Uh, she she said something sideways. We all know she did. <laughs> but like, even within that, you are a leader of a company. You are supposed to be the face of a multi-million dollar, if not billion dollar company on a billion dollar network. And you handled your business like that. It didn't have to go that way. No. And especially when, am I going to sit here and defend Punk all the way? No. Punk, he fucked up in his own way. Everybody's already said enough about talking shit about punk. I'm not going to trash punk. Right. But I, what I will say to like further bring the point home, if you were just out there in an adrenaline pumping moment for 20, 30, 40 minutes, whatever it may be, in front of 30,000 people, you come back there, your adrenaline's still pumping, you say your piece, you're pissed off, you go off, you're going to want to cool down for about 20, 30 minutes, maybe even an hour. Give me an hour. You know, we can we can hash this out. For them to kick in the door or whatever the hell happened with that whole door incident, even if I was an hour cool, you kick in my door, we're not really talking well. Yeah. So, like, no, there's no right in this conversation with them. But as leaders and people that are supposed to be thinking of the future of a business as pro wrestling, you have to close that chapter and be gone with it forward. You can't sit there and make it a punctual joke when he can't do it. He's not allowed to do it right now. So what the fuck is that? Yeah. You're going to like, you're just talking shit to talk shit. He can't go on a podcast right now and be like, well, Omega said this, the Bucks did this. Tony did right. this because it gets sued out of his asshole. But they're able to do it because Tony's got their asses covered. I will say though, like the whole media, media, what do they call it? A media scrum. scrum. That's what they call it. Scrum. Weird word. What does scrum mean? Do you know what that means? Scrum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Media scrum. Whatever it was. Michigan public education over here. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm from upstate New York, basically South Canada. I'm not ne- anywhere near the city, so my education is probably the same. Right with you, but um. So media scrum, they call it, which is like basically after the whole live pay-per-view, they don't even call it a pay-per-view anymore. They call it a premium live event. Well, that's what WWE. No, AEW still calls it a pay-per-view. Okay. So WWE does the premium live event. Yeah. Which makes sense because it's on the network. It's not a pay-per-view anymore. Anyway. So where um, AEW's actual pay-per-view still. Right. So they do this little thing where they like, it's almost like a, like a UFC fight where they'll like interview like the uh, fighters, AKA wrestlers, stuff like that after. And uh, I will say, I, I think that CM Punk went a little, uh, a little far in the, the post medium scrum where I could see where people are angry, but at the same time, like, like when he's like, I work with fucking children and all this shit. It's just he's like, not wrong. He, uh, I'll, I would, well, to kind of sidetrack here. I did read that Regal is going back to WWE because he had a lot of issues with the management at AEW and said they were a little immature, stuff like that. So if that's actually true, then like I can see where CM Punk is coming from. But I mean, he went off and like he said things he didn't have to say. And like even the whole Cole Cabana thing, like I've loved Cole Cabana for ever. But like when he's like, I want nothing to do with this guy. Like, Why even bring it up? That wasn't on him. Um, and I, I know it's going to sound very weird because that's literally how he started off the whole promo was trying to call out that dude for being a friend of Scott Colts. But once again, thinking from the side of Phil Brooks and if I'm Phil Brooks, the man, I can't sit here and go publicly call out these websites. I can't go after the Sean Ross saps. I can't go after the Dave Meltzer's. I can't go after yeah. the love pandas. I can't go after all those motherfuckers, but what I can do is sit here and keep a record of them. all. And guess what? You and I would do the same thing. If you and I were sitting there, we had a little checkbook of every single person that was pissing us off. And we remembered every single thing that that person said. The second they came in the room, you're going to be like, well, surprise, motherfucker. (laughs) He did the same exact thing you and I would have done. You know, hey, it's convenient you're here. You were saying these things. Let's let's have a conversation. There just happened to be a camera involved. Yeah. Touche. All right. I respect. I, I agree. I know it sounds like I'm trying to be a big punk mark and a punk defender and that it's not even that You're being a realist, man. You're being a realist. Yeah, It's more of human psychology. 
with if the shoe was on the other foot and we put you in those same types of situations, if somebody picked react? your door up and supposedly and your dog got hurt, you're gonna want to fuck somebody up if your dog got hurt. See, that's one thing I was gonna say. If like I don't care what happened, if I was in a scuffle, whatever, that's one thing. But if my dog gets hurt, all right, that's a different story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna fuck you up for that. So right. like, nobody's right. Everybody's wrong in their own yeah. way. But there, I see both sides, but you only hear one. And there's no need for pettiness. Like there's been a lot of pettiness with that situation and it, yeah. it, it, it's not needed, you know? Just move past. Like, do you see punk on Twitter or Instagram talking all this shit? No, the only thing, the only video I saw was like, he's a, he's a commentator for like some MMA company or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like, they were talking about like starting a pro wrestling league. He's like, no, you don't want me in the locker room. I'm bad. I'm, I'm bad news. That was funny. See, I laughed at that. He yeah. made a joke out of it. He wasn't making a joke at them though. He was joking. He made a at joke himself. at himself. If Omega and the Bucks were making a joke themselves, that's one thing. Right. That's but they're just... like going, they're going hardcore towards him. Yeah. Yeah, there's no reason for the petty. Bullshit. I almost feel like, in a way, though, I feel like it's because they know that the fans are going to like eat it up. So that's why oh, we're yeah. doing it. Oh, so, yeah, like, it's almost like the reaction, the how they personally feel or whatever. Who knows? We'll never know. Who knows? Maybe CM Punk will come back in six months. Maybe they'll like, yeah, I don't think so either. Exactly. <laughs> I was just trying, I was trying to make the situation light. They're going to have to ride that contract up. Which, which is which I sad because I saw like the rumors about him possibly going back to WWE and stuff like that, which. I don't know. Who knows? If that if that happened, good for him. There would have to be a lot of conversations yeah. and a lot of, you know, apologies made on both sides of that. Oh, for sure. You fired I mean, me on my you know fucking what they say, wedding day. They always say, never say never in professional wrestling. And even he said that too. <clears throat> but if there's two people that have never gotten along in professional wrestling, it is Triple CM H is Punk and Triple H. Yeah. yeah. And you're expecting them to do it now. But you know, Triple H, it even says in his in his Twitter bio, in his Twitter bio, he always does what's best for business. Okay. But so I don't know if CM Punk would be best for business. Who knows? And that is all the time we have here for part one. Tune in next week for part two with the Love Panda. See you nerds next week. Hey nerds, please don't forget the number one way to support the brand. Buy some merch. We've got hats, hoodies, sweatshirts, t-shirts, and it's all available to you at www.garageboozing.net slash shop. And don't forget to follow on all your favorite social media accounts as well as YouTube at Garage Boozing. And of course, don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe, whatever the button may be to the Garage Boozing Podcast on your favorite podcast platforms so you can be notified as soon as a new episode is released. Ladies, gentlemen, and nerds, do you have what it takes to be a guest on the fastest growing, alcohol chugging, and nonsense talking podcast? Well, now is your chance. The Garage Boozing Podcast has new guests every week, and you could be one of them. Just simply log on to www.garageboozing.net, click the Be On The Show tab, and submit your information. It's that simple. Join the boozement, or be a loser. Don't miss your chance, because we're taking this to the moon.